our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. From the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy. Oh, there it is. I have missed <laughs> the guitar stylings of Mr. Johnny Gilbert. Wow. The axe. Hello, welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy! Exclamation mark. I'm Michael Davis, and I'm joined today by producer Sarah Foss and Buzzy Cohen! Exclamation mark. <laughs> Good to see you again, Michael. Yes, remotely, yeah. but so happy to have you back with us in some capacity. I know you've been busy. Yeah, I have been touring in one of my other capacities as a man in blazer uh, around the country as the World Cup has kicked off. But I've met Jeopardy fans in uh, after live shows in New York City, in St. Louis, in Washington, D.C., in Philadelphia, and just these past few days in Austin, Texas. People seem to really like this uh, television program we're associated with. Yeah. People. They like this little show we put together? <laughs> it's new, but it's good. Yeah. It's catching on. It's catching on. It's so interesting. And it's fun watching the show as I go from market to market, watching on different kind of stations, sometimes at a different time of day here and there. But it's been fascinating. And, you know, uh, watching the end of the insane uh, Tournament of Champions. I got to tell you, even watching it after having seen the episodes come through post and having been there in the studio and in the control room as we were making them, the end of the TOC was even better than I remembered it at the time. Yeah, no notes. It was really just an incredible, the camaraderie, but also the gameplay, the writing, the the strategy that these players had to keep in mind. It was just amazing. Yeah, and Amy Snyder's Twitter um, sort of feed, when she was sort of explaining what was going through her mind as she was playing that game, for anybody who doubts that Jeopardy might not be a sport, or anybody <laughs> doubts that these people are not athletes. You read the strategy and the pregame thoughts and yeah. the, the the calmness under pressure of our champion, Amy Snyder, and it is just phenomenal to behold. Absolutely. Another one of our Tournament of Champions contestants, Ryan Long, getting a little bit of love this week. Buzzy actually shared with yeah. me, and thank you for sharing that. Anytime. Yeah, it was uh, there was uh, This American Life this past week, and uh, one of the segments was about Ryan and about him kind of breaking out of the box about how people perceive him, how he perceives himself. Reminded me a little bit of the uh, Jay effect that the show yes. has been doing about how this show changes people's lives, changes the lives of the contestants, changes the lives of people who watch the show. It was a really great piece. Definitely check it out on This American Life. And interestingly enough, I think Ryan was so taken back by the response that he deactivated himself from Twitter for a day or so and then came back on and said it was just, it was a little much. If you listen to it, it is a raw look at Ryan. But I think it's such a great opportunity for us to see just what it took for him to become the champion he is and how encouraging and inspiring he is to others to say, listen, break out of your box. You can yeah. do this. So just love Ryan Long so much. And he's been showing support for our current champion, Chris Panulo, as well. So the Jeopardy love, it lives on. 
Yes, Chris Panulo uh, getting a lot of love out there across the country. What a player he is. Uh, more on that as we continue with Inside Jeopardy. But first of all, we've got some big news to share yes. with our listeners today in the great tradition of Inside Jeopardy. <laughs> Coming off of the second chance competition and the tournaments of champions, we've been asked about our plans to bring back any of the other tournaments that would be like teens or professors or college they're all still very much in our dreams all still very much in our plans along with a bunch of other ones which i'm not announcing today but (laughs) i can officially announce here today that we will be inviting 27 former teen contestants who are all now current undergraduates to compete in the first ever Jeopardy high school reunion tournament yes this is so exciting if you think back about four seasons ago We did our typical auditions for the teen tournament. And normally, you know, we get thousands who apply. We get lots of great contenders. But this particular year, there were so many just outstanding contestants that we decided to do not one, but two teen tournaments. So we had 30 students that we featured. And we thought, you know what? These kids, I'm calling them kids. These kids are probably about college age now. Let's catch up with them. And as it turns out, They are all obviously at great colleges and universities across the country. It's going to be so much fun to bring them back to this special tournament. Of course, we're going to be showing footage of them with maybe braces or, you know, in (laughs) high school. That's what makes it just what everybody wants when you're in college. Um, But nonetheless, they're going to compete. And on the line will be a spot in the Tournament of Champions. As we know, the field is building so far. We've got Luigi de Guzman and Chris Panulo, who have guaranteed spots. Who knows how the field will continue to line up, but whoever wins this high school reunion tournament will also advance to the TOC. It's going to be a 14-day event, and Buzzy, it's going to bring back the two-day total point affair. You oh, know you baby. love it. <laughs> Buzzy loves a two-day total point affair. <laughs> I just feel like, Michael Davies, I want you to show up at the studio in like a a Willy Wonka outfit because the, yeah. <laughs> the the insane ideas that are coming out right now and the, the golden tickets that are being tossed around, you're making dreams come true. Oh, you just wait. The conservative voices within uh. Jeopardy uh, <laughs> continue to restrain me from many of my grander plans. But uh, this is one which I think we all agreed. I mean, to be transparent with everybody out there, you know, to some extent, this idea originated almost as a creature of necessity because we still are discussing with ABC the future of the Jeopardy National College Championships and how that's going to go. But in the meantime, we didn't want to lose that sort of college energy from the right. entire Jeopardy brand. But without you know, building a whole new, you know, search for college contestants, because we still would love to do that towards the end of next year in prime. This was a way we knew that we had these 27 players who are all of college age, who come from our existing uh, Jeopardy community. And so this was a great opportunity to bring them back. And look, having not grown up in the United States, having not attended high school here, you know, uh, until one year as a PG in Pennsylvania, but doesn't really count. I never really had that like major high school reunion. The and Ronnie I love the idea of the high school reunion, perhaps <laughs> an under the sea theme. We got to talk about this. We need a high school reunion committee, no doubt. Oh, we got to think about gosh, how we do yes. it. Oh, this is gross point blank vibes coming in. I want to point out that obviously there were 30 students who were eligible. Two of them are not available, but we are going to have them back at a later date for some capacity. And one of them will be our alternate. So uh-huh. everyone, of course, invited to participate. It will be nine quarterfinal rounds. Then we'll have nine semifinalists. They will play in three games to get to that two-day total point affair. $100,000 on the line. More importantly, TOC spot. So I can't wait. I've got a question before we move on. I know everyone wants to move on because I'm a lifelong Jeopardy fan, as you may or may not know. 
are they going to wear their college sweatshirts? Wow. Well, m- my belief as a as a lover of freedom, I think it is. This is my initial instinct. Yeah. But of course, the more conservative voices on the staff will probably restrain me. But I sort of feel like they have like they've graduated from their sort of Jeopardy high school thing. They're within college now. It's up to them. They can either wear their college sweatshirts or they cannot. Hmm. They might want to like put back on the outfit they wore when they were teenagers on the show or do a, a tribute to themselves when they were a teenager. I don't think anyone's going to want to do that. No, yeah. I, I don't, I don't well, I'm just curious because teen tournament is like, a you know, you wear your own thing. But college, traditionally, you wear the college yes, sweatshirt, the sweatshirt. And now they yeah. are college students, but they're not representing their college necessarily. There's a lot right. of questions for you all mm. to figure out that I'm going to get to just sit back but thank you, you know. for bringing it up, Buzzy, because we hadn't even gotten to wardrobe. We were so excited about That's just where my head goes right away, as everybody knows. That was my first question. We hadn't gone to fashion, <laughs> so wow. thank you, Buzzy. Obviously, I need to see a picture of Teen Buzzy now. Now I just want to see Teen Buzzy my, going. My water polo days. Do you want Whoa. a real picture, or do you just want the image that will live in your mind? Because I think that might almost be better. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. All right, lots to discuss with Jeopardy! High School Reunion moving forward. We'll talk about it, of course, in the coming weeks. We're going to talk about who our contestants are next week, just to give you a little more input on who they are. But, of course, you can check our social channels. It's all out there. This is happening, the Jeopardy! High School Reunion Tournament. But now, let's get into the game recaps. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for Season 3 of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. The Beep Boops tell us it is time to talk about last week, where we kicked it off with Chris going for his 16th win up against Michael Harton and Zanny Brown. Chris didn't miss a beat here, huh? He is coming out strong. <laughs> what a, I mean, I got to say, you, you walk into that green room with the other contestants, and they introduce a 16-game champion who's won half a million dollars, or you know, and you're supposed to play this guy? Come on. He's a 15-day champion, but whatever they tell you. Still same thing. (laughs) It can only be overwhelming. But I want to give credit where credit's due. Zanny Brown played a game and was within a hair's breadth of making Chris bet that final. And as we saw, you know, they, they all got final wrong. This was a closer game than it might look on paper. I have to ask you, Michael, we had British history. I don't know if you remember the category or the clue, but I was just wondering... How did you do on it? Because there was, you know, a triple stumper. Yeah, the House of Lords. Yes. I remember did you it get very that well. One? I've I've attended debates in the House of Lords. Okay. I did know this. I'm a big fan of the House of Lords. Probably 
you know, I think as a young man, I dreamt, as a teenager myself, I dreamt of one day uh, somehow uh, wrangling my way into the House of Commons or into the diplomatic service and somebody would one day, you know, grant me a life peerage and I'd end up with a seat in the House of Lords. And I've attended debates there. I've, it's an absolutely beautiful place. So, yes, I did know that, the House of Lords. My, my favorite House of Lords trivia is that director Christopher Guest is actually, a, has sat in the House of Lords. Yes, which you, absolutely. You wouldn't think, having watched best in show or waiting for guffman uh yeah. that you know count rugen from the princess bride has sat in the house of lords buzzy you mentioned the triple stumper in final everyone going for anne of green gables how yeah. would you have done on this one I, you know I, I was nowhere okay. i was nowhere on this i thought anne of green gables was a very good guess although it was one of those ones that you write down knowing it's wrong it's kind of where I was. I was I was totally I had nothing. As you mentioned, Zanny, 19,400 going into double jeopardy. I think that's one of the highest scores that we have seen. Yeah. And she is getting a lot of buzz about second chance. We've said second chance is coming back. Pretty confident we're going to see Zanny in that second chance. I do believe it was after this show, because this was another big win for Chris, that we first started having the internal debates about how on earth were we going to manage our prize budget based on how uh, much money uh, Chris was winning. Those debates continue to this day. Yes. Um, yeah, it's a it, it, it's a big issue. You know, the prize budget is something we do have to manage. We, we have to estimate at the beginning of the season what we're going to give away. And when you get an aggressive player like Chris who comes in and starts you know, just making a lot of money, making those aggressive uh, daily double wages. There are finance people at Sony who we have to talk to and say, <laughs> uh, just got to well, let you know about something going on in the game. Speaking of the the winnings in the prize budget, Chris had mentioned that he wants to use his winnings to buy a house. So our friend Lily, one eclectic mom, is now every day. The best. Every day that Chris <laughs> wins going on to Zillow and finding what he could afford in Ocean City, New Jersey with his winnings, which it's is pretty impressive what he can buy so yeah. far. I mean, yeah. a little over half a million dollars. You can get you can get a nice piece of property there in Ocean yeah. City. Yeah, it's actually it's not New York City. I can tell you that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we are moving on to Tuesday's game now where once again we have Chris and now he's going up against Sheila Anderson and Matt Harvey. Have to say that after that last game, Chris now ranks fifth overall for total winnings in regular season play, hard to imagine. We were just, you know, saying this last season about some of our other champions. Only Ken, James Holtzauer, Amy Schneider, and Matt Amodio have earned more than Chris at the 16-game mark. And Chris's total actually higher than Ken's was at that point. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, just I mean, this is we're in the, we're in the post-James world where, you know, it's a, a, a Jeopardy win isn't a $20,000 win. It's a... 40 plus thousand dollar win as you alluded to in your prize budget conversation <laughs> um but i just want to talk about matt harvey in this game because yes wow was he in it and did he make chris play this was a, a really great game great player you know cards didn't fall for him in final but oh. got that big five thousand dollar daily double took that huge lead over chris in double jeopardy and it was looking like it was matt's game yeah i actually wanted i wanted matt to bet more on that but i can understand as well if, if you just saw chris have a runaway you might be a little tentative but um man matt i don't i, don't, I have no say in 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 who's coming back for second chance but if you can make a player like chris panulo have to bet in final jeopardy i think you uh you've got a case to make um, and smart in final because if chris had been wrong matt but to beat him by just over four thousand dollars but he also protected him against third place so. that's right and i you know i think that this was a uh uh, also a situation where I got to say, like, you know, Final Jeopardy is a different game. You could be a great player. I mean, look, 
Matt is doing great on his buzzer percentage, great, pretty good on his, you know, correct percentage, and then you just miss final. Final's got a really different pace than the rest of the game, so it's hard to be an all-around player like Chris is, but there you go, $44,000. See you later. We also got to learn about Chris's lunch, and everyone is fascinated by this. Uh, What does a champion like Chris Panulo eat at lunch at the commissary? We learned he's a pretty healthy guy. He's got a bowl of mixed greens with a scoop of chickpeas, two scoops of chicken, no dressing. Now, other champions have chimed in about this. I know James Holtzauer, he was like, two pieces of pepperoni pizza and a soda. What was your lunch of choice, Buzzy? Usually I would do a salad, just salad bar salad. I would do the dressing because I'm not, you know, the the bodybuilder that Chris Panulo is. Oh, come Um, on now. But I think when I came back for Tournament of Champions, I I realized I needed a little more, you know, calorie energy calories. So I did like a roast chicken with rice and vegetables, I think, when I came back for TOC. Not a whole roast chicken. That would have been amazing. Can you imagine <laughs> I just grab like a rotisserie chicken a off a spit? Between yeah. uh, the Jeopardy round and double. Yeah, I, know. yeah, I love that. Yeah, people have big interest in that. Okay, well, we're moving on to Wednesday's game. We've got Chris going up against Jeanette Bonjour and Randall Rayford. This game played on November 30th. Now, this is Chris going for his 18th win on the 18th anniversary of Ken losing to Nancy Zerg. Can you believe Whoa. it's been 18 years? Wow. It's mm-hmm. a lucky number, too, 18. Yeah, and I runaways, 15 of 18 he's had up until this point. It's just like this guy is seemingly unstoppable. Yeah, and a very, very cool, calm, and collected uh, player. I mean, you know, Michael, you've talked about this. The, the players that tend to go on these runs that do well just have that mental fortitude to just stay focused, stay within themselves, and you're seeing it with Chris. He really understood the difference between – being on the show when it really matters and being on the show when he can just be light. But he would go into that game space mm-hmm. with his game face so seamlessly. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as the show ends, he always goes to the challengers. And in, in Matt's case, he was like, wow, you almost had me. Like the second that Ken says, we'll see you tomorrow, he's out of game mode and he is just human again, which is <laughs> nice to know. I always love a chance to hear a Borat impression from Ken Jennings. So we did get to hear that in this show. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) My wife. Yeah, uh, I want to talk a little bit. This is a rare thing, but I noticed people talking about it online. The the John Hancock clue with the enlarged text for this man, which um, I just want to point out that um, uh, fans asked if it was intentional. And the writer Mark Gaberman answered it was. And he was referencing the, the large signature. But also... This has happened enough of large text and small text that J Archive has the ability <laughs> to mark something wow. within J Archive as large text or small text, but it hasn't happened enough that the current archivist knew how to do it and had to ask someone, how do I make the large text, small text? So that is the sweet spot of, yes, this has happened before, but not often enough. All right. Yeah. And always good when our writers are, <laughs> you know, they're on Twitter too. They are hearing what you're saying. And Mark was no, like, I yes, love it was intentional. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. I love that our writers are writing things on Twitter. I think that's absolutely wonderful. I enjoyed seeing him respond to that question from one of our fans. Tough final. Uh, Only Jeanette was able to come up with the correct response. It didn't really matter in this game. Another $221 wager from Chris. 31 correct responses from him in this game. game. And, you know, after the game, he said it's starting to feel less real as the wins are going on. He just felt like it was actually feeling more like a dream Mm. as it started to go on. 
And we're going to take a quick pause to hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, we've got the recap of the rest of last week's games. Yeah, and your interview with Chris Panulo. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. Navigating any of life's challenges can make you feel unsure, whether it's in your career, relationships, or parenting. And unfortunately, life doesn't come with a user manual. BetterHelp Online Therapy is basically the next best thing. I've personally found that therapy is beneficial in helping me figure out the cause of challenging emotions and learn productive coping skills. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist. If things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. Couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash inside J. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash inside J. Ah, the best kind of notification. That's another sale on Shopify, the platform trusted by millions of entrepreneurs to create their online store and so much more. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build the relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify, and you can too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere, whether they're eBooks or eyewear. Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. So when you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash jeopardy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash jeopardy to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash jeopardy. And now, back to Inside Jeopardy. Okay, moving on to Thursday's show with Chris going up against Rob LaManna and Jerry Zuli. This is Chris's 19th game now. And keep in mind, another non-runaway for Chris. Only the fourth of his 19 games, but the second this week. So he's being challenged. Yeah, it does feel like this week Chris started to uh, run into a little bit of choppy water. Nothing he couldn't handle, but, you know, when, when people are making him play final, I love to see it. Yeah, highlight for me, though, was his interview. Uh, he does not like olives, although if I'm at a party, he said, and I see an olive, I'll try it and say, people love these things. I must not be getting it. But no, it's the people that are wrong. I love that. <laughs> I don't I, love an olive. I'm just going to say it. I'm sorry. I adore olives. I okay. could eat olives, a lot of olives every day. And I found out recently that like my childhood friend didn't like olives, and I'd known him forever, and I just found that out. And it was like, it's shocking. I love olives, but I've never eaten an olive in the United States, you know, a country I love country where I make my home, but I've never eaten an olive in the United States that comes close to the olives that one eats in, in Spain and Greece and Italy. Okay, there okay. we go. Well, excuse me. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, in spite of a, a, an incredibly strong game, as we said, Rob was in striking distance, made a big bet, could have made a 
bigger bet. If he had bet it all, still wouldn't have. Obviously, Chris was betting to cover. But what do we think about Rob as a? Uh, I, you know, I just keep throwing it out. Is he a second chance or is he is he in the running? I think whenever you put up this strong of a fight against this strong of a contestant, I think you have to be in the running. Obviously, we're looking at things throughout the season, but it it doesn't really get decided until the end of the season when right. we really know who all I just, you is know, in contention. I'm not involved in the conversation. I just don't all know. Right. I don't know what it takes. The final jeopardy of the night owl. I have a question for for my two co-podsters. Obviously, someone who likes staying up at night is called a night owl. Do you know what someone who is a morning person is called? Early bird gets no. the worm. No. No. What is it? It's a lark. A huh. lark. Oh, a lark. A lark is someone who likes the mornings. I thought yes. it was pretty funny in final <laughs> when Ken says, "Despite Chris's scowl, you know, because he's <laughs> he is correct and he's about to go on and win again, and yet he's so you know stern in his look that Ken actually said, despite Chris's scowl, it's the poker he is face. Correct. It's the poker yeah. face. Yeah. I want to know, know if they're, like Chris is making me wonder if anyone has ever come on Jeopardy in a fugue state. Like, doesn't it sort of feel like 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 somebody comes on Jeopardy, wins a bunch of money, and then like you know three months later goes like they discover them you know just like walking barefoot, and it's like oh yeah I did, and then their their family finds them again or something. No, I thought where you were going with that is that is that you'd love to hear if anybody out there has played poker against Chris Panulo and tell us what kind of a poker player or poker opponent. He actually was, because I'd be fascinated to hear if you about have, that. I'll put it out on Twitter. I have a couple poker people follow me, but if you have played poker, find me, tweet, DM me, and we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll get you on the phone. We'll find out if... We want to know. We want to know. Yeah. Inside Jeopardy wants to know. Well, we wrap up this game. 34 correct responses from Chris. He's now on our leaderboard of legends, tied Whoa. for seventh place for most consecutive games won. I didn't know we would be saying these stats again so soon after Matt and Amy and Matea and Ryan, and here we are. So closing out the week, Chris is going for his 20th win against Josh Greger and Alana Friedman. Chris, once again, just... Runs away with it. Runs away with it and now surpasses our good friend Dave Madden, who I got to say, hats off to Dave Madden for being on that leaderboard for so long. Yes, it says a lot because he played in those earlier yeah. years when the strategy was different. People weren't playing as aggressively. The daily doubles weren't as aggressive. So now, yeah, he's sixth place, tied with Julia Collins. Yeah, and we should say that not only sixth all time in uh, in terms of passing the 19-game winners with, with 20 games, but fifth all time with money winnings yeah. uh, in, in regular play, 710,865, jumping ahead of Matea. They are in sixth place with 23 wins, yeah, but only 560,983. I say only, yeah. that's a lot in Canadian dollars. Yeah, yeah. a lot of loonies. And it was yeah. that top five <laughs> that helped us decide who was going to be seated in the TOC last year because Amy, mm-hmm. Matt, and Matea had all gotten into that top five. So... Interesting how we're already seeing this level of champion in season 39. In terms of stats, I mean, wow. Let's just talk about some stats. Chris has found 45, 75% of all the daily doubles possible for him. He's responded correctly to 41 of them. And his total daily double earning so far, $160,400. On average, oh, you know, just over $8,000 per game just on daily doubles. Hitting 75% of the daily doubles means that you are in control of the game most of the time. Getting 91% of them correct means that you are an absolute menace and you need to be stopped at all costs. 
Yeah, he is the uncoriat or the anti-coriat. <laughs> yeah. We could well, I mean, say. it's he's sort of a semi-Holtzhauerian where he doesn't do the James where it's just always all in, always all in. But he's certainly making the daily double work for him while also being an incredibly strong, just, you know, deep knowledge, fast buzzer player. I want to point out he's been trying out for five to six years for the show. So Whoa. for those of you that are listening to the pod and you've tried out in the past, like, please keep trying out. Yeah. Amy tried out for years. Like, I'm just saying, keep trying because you can be the next ultra champion. I had the chance to catch up with Chris right after he had earned his 20th win. Let's take a listen. Chris Panulo, you are now a 20 game winner. How does that feel? It feels bizarre and wonderful <laughs> at the same time. I never could have imagined it. Like, 5, 10, 15, every single one of those is like an enormous milestone. Every single game, you have two people just coming for you nonstop, and the pressure doesn't ever seem to stop. So 20 games is incredible. To put that into perspective, only five players in Jeopardy's history have ever won more consecutive games than you. Yeah, and they're all phenomenal players. Ken, James Holtzauer, uh, Amodio, and Amy Schneider. So just like a real murderer's row, and it's... Super cool to be on that list. Yeah, you're in very good company. Also earning over $700,000. I know you spoke with Ken at one point about maybe wanting to buy a house. You also talked about putting cash under your mattress at <laughs> one point. I think you've gotten past cash under the mattress. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I think so. I'll probably need to have a new room in my new house just for the cash. But yeah, I mean, maybe spend a little, little of it on myself, but... I'm a pretty practical person. I'll, I mean, house seems like a good investment. It seems like a good place to live. Um, and yeah, just I haven't even really considered because the money's not real yet. Like I'm still here on Jeopardy. I'm trying to focus on the game every every single day. And uh, I, maybe it'll hit me in a couple of weeks, but not not yet. Well, in that Jeopardy leaderboard of legends, there are also only four people who've won more money than you in regular season play. So what does it feel like to keep hitting these milestones and to be among these Jeopardy greats? Uh, I really, I'm not even thinking about it. Like every, every single game is, is a war of its own. And so like when at the end of the day, like you look up and you've passed a few more people and uh, just, just to have passed so many people at this point, like 20 games is incredible. I, I don't even know what to say. So throughout the week, you know, you had some runaways, which you've had so many of, but you've also had some games where it was close and you were feeling the pressure. How do you go back and forth within one 30-minute game to having such a different scenario back-to-back? -back? Just trying to keep my head in the game. I had some really, really good opponents this week who were beating me on the buzzer. Some were beating me on the board. They were just smarter than me. They were quicker than me. And just you know, keeping my eye on what was important, um, looking for the daily doubles when I get them to bet big because you know, if you're trailing, you need to bet big to get that lead, and you need to bet big to keep the lead. And I've been a little shaky on Final Jeopardy, so any chance I can get to solidify a runaway is, is crucial. I have to say, you're in a unique situation in that, you know, we can tell people at home, you're going to be able to go home tonight and watch your episodes because of the way our production schedule has worked this season. It's, it's really rare. I think Ken Jennings was one of the only other people who was able to actually watch his run unfold. What's that like for you to be living in real time and the past and the present and the future kind of all at the same it's, time? It's really complicated, and I'm, I try not to talk too much about it because if I, I'm trying not to, like, speak in the past tense or in the present tense because depending on who I'm talking to, who knows I'm here, who doesn't know I'm here, I don't want to tip anything off. I don't want to, you know, let people know 
you know, it let people in on the Jeopardy secrets. So it's been really complicated, really confusing, but really wonderful. Well, we're so happy to watch this exciting run unfold. Season 39 is not disappointing. We'll see you on Monday for a 21st game. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Sarah. Another great interview from you. Chris Panulo gets to spend yet another weekend as a Jeopardy champion. And that wraps up our game recaps. Let's go straight. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. If these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Get to the viewer questions. First up, Square3481 on Reddit asks, when they show the camera panning over the category reveal, is it live or CG? I know it used to be live in the past, but it would have an imperfect angle and some glare or reflection from the camera filming a screen. When the camera pans over now, is it live or recreated afterward? Well, this is a great question. It's kind of a combination. So it's a digital video effect, but it is done live. And it's done by the same woman, Michelle Hampton, who also initiates all of those clues popping up, not only for a host at their lectern, but for all of you to see at home. She's actually using a stylus pen to bring those clues to the forefront. So she's got a lot to do on a game day, but I hope that answers your question. We should say, though, that we have added a digital video effect, a CG wide shot of, yes. the, of the game board. We used to have a camera constantly shooting, a fixed camera that would shoot the game board. And we only have a limited number of cameras uh, in the Alex Trebek stage. We've moved that camera and we now have that camera giving us a contestant ISO and an individual shot of one of our contestants. Because we used to only have two cameras shooting three people. Now yes. we have three cameras <laughs> shooting three people. Uh, and we now have a digital video effect, though, a CG version of the game board uh, that's generated by Michelle, generated out of, out of the uh, computer room. Look at all this inside information. Wow. Thank you for that question, Square3481. All right, Amanda asks, what are the hosts doing during Final Jeopardy when the contestants are writing down their answers? Are they going over the category, clue, etc.? Can the hosts see what the contestants are wagering and writing down as their responses? I remember Ken exclaimed, whoa, when he saw that big wager Chris made on the Thanksgiving episode. Well, they have a lot to do during this break. Um, Michelle Loud, one of our head writers, is preparing the card, and both Ken and Mayim have spoken about the card and how it has so many different numbers because it's setting up every situation between all three of the contestants, whether they get it right or wrong, how that impacts their total score, total games won, all of that is on the card. So they're reviewing their card. Now, in terms, and also know that they often don't answer questions during this time from the audience because it is a time for our contestants to be focusing on the category, maybe they're blind guessing what the possible response could be. So we kind of let that time be, you know, kind of hollowed time for our contestants and for the host. But I will say the wagers are on their cards, but they do see the contestants writing their response. So they can look down at to the very last second before they come around to the contestants and they can know who is correct, who is incorrect. Sometimes you know, it could be one of those responses that we haven't anticipated. And so we have to say, 
yes, that is correct, or no, we're not going to accept that in their ear. But oftentimes, they know exactly what's happening before they actually come around. So there's a little bit of dramatics, even from the host. They do know the outcome. But I will say, we had a game just a couple of weeks ago where... Ken saw the numbers. Ken knew it was going to happen, and somehow it didn't click for him. He was surprised when the champion who won was actually announced as the champion in that moment. We had to do a little pickup because it didn't play out exactly as we had anticipated. My experience of that break, Sarah, is it's usually you in in-depth conversation uh, with the host, but the host are unable to <laughs> respond back to you in case they give anything away. And so it's just it, it's a it's a Sarah Whitcomb Foss monologue at that point, usually in my And who end. doesn't love one of those? <laughs> yeah. Thank you, as always, for sending your questions in. Listeners, please keep them coming to Inside Jeopardy podcast at gmail.com. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Join us here next week for more gameplay discussions as Chris goes for his 21st win. Can he do it? Can he wrap up another week as champion? And we're going to take a closer look at our 27 high school reunion tournament contestants. Yes, you won't want to miss it. Make sure you subscribe, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, uh, debate it on Reddit, uh, follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, on YouTube, and we'll see you all next week.
our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.